Christ's command to his followers before his ascension to heaven was for them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our Lord did not intend for the good news of his death and resurrection to stay local, but instead it was to be taken globally. In this third section of Acts, the adventure continues as the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth. Let's join Scott Pauley now for today's study. Today we return to the final verses in Acts chapter number 12 to look at a lesser known character and yet a powerful, powerful lesson. Now, the irony of this is that the lesser known character was in his day the most famous character, the most familiar name, a household name, and the most powerful man in the land. We're speaking of King Herod. You know, it's interesting how with the passage of time, people that seem like they're really strong and wise and powerful fade into oblivion. And sometimes the simple, the humble people, the people that do not get nearly the accolades or the attention, become the people who are the real world shakers, the people that move things forward. And so there's an amazing contrast here between the the spiritual man of Simon Peter and the spiritual people gathered together in Mary's house who had been praying and this very carnal, fleshly man known as King Herod. And so I want to take the time to talk to you about Herod because uh, the Scripture emphasizes him for a specific reason. Let's read the end of this story. You'll remember that prayer was made without ceasing. Uh, Peter has been delivered from prison. What a miracle. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 18 where the Bible says, Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. May I just pause and point out to you uh, the little humor in this verse? No small stir. Look, friend, if a prisoner disappears in the middle of the night and all of the gates are still shut and all of the soldiers are in place, all of the guards have not been disturbed, something is up. And so I would say this is the understatement of the day, no small stir among the soldiers. Verse 19 says, And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea, and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a god and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. What a fascinating thing to see God's providence and protection over the prisoner. That was Peter. So he survives. He excels. He continues. 
And yet God has the power to bring a man as powerful as Herod to nothing. Literally, what an end. He is eaten of worms. Today, we look at a politician. That's what we're really seeing here. You'll remember uh, that in the opening verse of Acts chapter number 12, Herod the king had begun to vex certain of the church. So he's initiated an all-out war against the church of the living God. Could I just remind you that Jesus promised the gates of hell would not prevail against his church? Uh, Friend, I'm just going to tell you, uh, there's a few things you don't want to come against. You don't want to come against anything God has established. You don't want to come against the family because God established the family. You don't want to come against Israel because that's God's chosen nation. And you don't want to come against the church because the church is the very body of Christ functioning on this earth to bring him glory and to accomplish his purpose at this time. So, look, when you make yourself the enemy of the church, You've just made yourself the enemy of the head of the church, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care what people say about Herod. Uh, There is a king higher than Herod. Uh, There was a throne uh, that was greater than Herod's throne. So at the beginning of Acts chapter number 12, he kills James. Do you remember that? The brother of John kills him with a sword. That's the first recorded uh, person that is, is put to death here. Uh, at this particular season of persecution. But that was just the beginning of this uh, particular persecution. And so what does he do? He saw it pleased the people. By the way, that's always a mark of a person who just is all about them, uh, whatever pleases the people. They're not operating on principle. And so Herod saw it pleased the Jews. So what did he do? He arrested Peter. And that's how we got to this particular part of the story. Now he's angry He's displeased. Uh, With one word, he has put to death all of the guards in the prison. Uh, He comes to Tyre and Sidon. He's displeased with them. Uh, This is a man who is full of himself. And this is the day the politician came face to face with the king of kings and with the Lord of lords. You know, the Herodian dynasty was famous, perhaps I should say infamous, for its immorality for its debauchery. Uh, In fact, you should read a little bit about all of the Herods, Uh, Herod the Great, all of his sons. Uh, This was one of the most uh, corrupt regimes that has ever existed. And so uh, they are full of themselves, and they're full of flesh, and now they're fighting against God. And on this particular day, Herod met his match. In fact, Josephus said Uh, that this particular portion of Scripture describes Herod as a man arrayed in royal apparel. Uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that he wore a silver garment that glittered in the light. Uh, This was a man who was all about himself, who had no understanding of who the God of heaven and earth was. And on this day, what was his great sin? He gave not God the glory. I'll remind you that it is the Lord who sets up, and who takes down. It's the Lord who gives favor. It's the Lord who allows power. And uh, when people do not give God the glory, at some point the judgment of God comes upon them. I was thinking even as I read here a moment ago, it was the people who said it's the voice of a God and not of a man, and yet the Bible says that he gave not God the glory. It's not about what the people think. It's not about what the people say. 
It's about what is in our hearts. You see, Herod could have in a moment of time stopped the people and instead pointed all glory to God, uh, pointed all attention and affection and admiration to the one who had given him the throne. But he doesn't do that because in his own heart, the glory belonged to him. We're going to come back to this passage in Acts chapter number 12, but I'd like you to meditate on it. And I'm going to tell you why, because we're living in a day filled with people who think they are powerful people. And I just want all of us to be reminded right now, uh, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And that the God of the universe is where he's always been, friends. He is seated on his throne in heaven, looking at everything that's going on here on earth. He's ruling in the affairs of men. He's ruling the good and overruling the evil. And in the end, God always has the last say. These are the last words of King Herod, but the word of God, now that's different. The word of God would grow and would multiply. May God in heaven keep all of us humble before the Lord and help all of us to view men through the prism of how great our God is. Though no more scripture is being written, the story of the furtherance of the gospel is being written at this very moment. And we get to be part of that story. The heart of our Savior is as passionate for the lost today as it was just before he ascended in Acts 1. Will you get in on what God is doing in the world today to reach the lost with the gospel? This is why Enjoying the Journey exists, to encourage and to equip you in the work of the gospel. Whether it is through the daily broadcast or the many resources on our website, Scott and all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team are passionate about people coming to know Christ as Savior. We pray that you truly will enjoy the journey, but we also pray that you will bring others with you on your journey of following Christ.